outdoor shit so i have no idea what it is i only know that they make drums <laughs> in a in a really strong grape juice division because <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know companies own stupid shit hell yeah isn't yeah that's the reason that uh because. ge got like as huge as it did because ge stopped like making products and just like invested in shit mm-hmm. so they had just like shit that they owned that they had no business owning whatsoever oh yeah because you know america <laughs> yeah yeah. Capitalism. Ah. Tasty. So, so James, I've picked up a, a, a kind of expensive kind of habit. Mm-hmm. I uh, started getting back into the old Kratom. You ever taken Kratom? Never really fucked with it, no. It, it's pretty good. It's um, that and a little bit of weed on top of it. It's Aww. the closest you're going to get to heroin without like doing heroin. Because, you know. Yeah, I don't, you, you shouldn't do heroin. I don't think I need to fuck with that, Chris. Oh, no. It, like I said, it's not quite that. So it, it's the but the, it's the closest that I found out that mm-hmm. you can come. And it's honestly, it's like, hmm, that's nice. Hmm. So it's one of those things that I'm going to have to give up soon. But if you wanted to try it or anybody out there, if you've ever wondered uh, how is heroin, well, it's like a sneak preak. It's, yeah. it's a preak. Preak. It's, it's like a trailer. That's yeah. what I meant to. Yeah, there you go. It's just, a, you know, an intro if you're really considering it. Yeah. Give, give the Kratom a shot if you like it. And, you you know, you plan to want to fuck up quite a few years of your life. Get right but, on that. But here's the thing, though, is like it does come with directions. And uh, do not follow those directions. You have to, like, really abuse the shit out of it. <laughs> it's like you can't use it for its intended purposes. Absolutely not. Oh, what the fuck is the point? No. <laughs> A kratom. Yep. Mm-mm. Dude, it, it, it's pretty good. I, like, I like it a lot. It, it actually really does help a lot with, like, nerve pain and shit. Really? So if you don't abuse the shit out of it, then you just get those benefits. Mm-hmm. But if you abuse the shit out of it... It has, slight, it has <laughs> slight analgesic properties. Uh-huh. But when you take a bunch of it... Mm. Yeah. But, but when you take, like, three bottles of it... You know, like like you do. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of down in three bottles, hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. My name is Chris Faff, and I'm one of your hosts. And I am James Marino, and I'm the other one of your hosts. Ah, uh, you know what? What? After the last uh, two weeks of doing Rob Zombie films, mm-hmm. I, I'm really glad that we're back. It feels like being like back home. Yeah. Back in our wheelhouse with something that we can actually talk about. Home on leave. Exactly. So uh, this week we are talking about the pretty brand fucking new 2023's Brooklyn 45. Mm-hmm. Written and directed by Ted Gagan. And I'm just going to go through the whole cast because yeah. there's like five of them. Or six. Let's see. We have Anne Ramsey as Marla. Uh, might yeah. remember her from uh, the taking of Deborah Logan. Absolutely. Uh, Ron E. Rains as Bob, mm-hmm. a guy who looks really super familiar. I looked at his filmography. I didn't recognize him. You know who he kind of reminded anything. me of is the roommate in that other Fessenden movie we watched. You know what I mean? The, uh, Habit. Yeah. He uh, kind of looked like the roommate in Habit, with the same kind of glasses, that same kind of dopey appearance. And that's almost the same kind of personality. That's all I could think of. Also starring Jeremy Holm as Archie. 
Ezra Buzzington as Paul, Christina Klebe as Hildy, and the fucking greatest, uh, Larry Fessenden as Hawk. Uh, so, so, hey, James. Yeah. How does it feel to be right back in our wheelhouse, and how did you like Brooklyn 45? Well, the first half hour of Brooklyn 45, I was motherfuckering you. I'm like, if I want to go to see the stage play, I'll go see the stage play. They're ripping off Jean-Paul Sartre. If I want to go see No Eggs, and I'll just go read it. God damn. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh, uh-huh. oh, fucking love this movie, dude. Yeah, this movie fucking rules, dude. <laughs> but do you, do you see what I mean? When I first started, I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus, this is going to be in one fucking room. It's a one-act play. This is a fucking one-act play. I've seen way too many one-act plays. I yeah, don't want it. Yeah. It's a, like a chamber story. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so this movie, James, I wanted to get right into it because one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about this so badly is not just because it's good, mm-hmm. but it because it does a thing that we complain about all the time. Hat on it, a hat on a hat? No, well, I guess, but where I was going is it it absolutely breaks the rule of having a consistent tone and mm-hmm. measure to the film, but it... It works. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he did it because that's the thing that we complain about constantly is, dude, you need to pick a tone. Right. The way that this is layered and then brought back to ghosts and then layered on top of that and then, like, they're basically triaging situations the entire time. Mm-hmm. So it does that thing where you go, oh, yeah, fuck, I forgot there was ghosts because it's been quite a while since it's been brought up. Well, if you think about a lot of movies that we watch, it's more like rock, okay? It's sonata form. We hit this note, we hit, you know, we hit this, we hit this, we come back to the chorus, we get the repeat, repeat. This movie was less like that and more like jazz. There was a lot of tonal shifts, which if you look at it and you really, if you wanted to count them, you could probably count the tonal shifts that resolve. Mm Mm-hmm. So with the resolving, you're adding layers, and with the layers, and if you're, and you can not pay attention or pay attention, but still, it still comes back at the end like a good, like good jazz music, you know, with the improv in the middle and the, everybody going off in their own spot. But everything was timed well, everything fit, fit and flowed. So it did have tone, it did have tone changes, but the tone changes were consistent throughout. Exactly, and it's one of those things that were, yeah, again, it's. Oh shit, I forgot that there was this whole other thing going on because something else came up and that is what we are focusing on because it is the most important. Yep. And, okay, we'll deal with this other thing later. Mm-hmm. Usually that bugs the living shit out of both oh, you yeah. and me in a film. But again, because you know what that is? That is very specifically um, a play, staging. Because uh-huh. all the characters have to remain on the stage a lot of times. So focus is pulled, and the only important thing is whatever the two people or the two characters are talking about doesn't usually work, and it works in this one because of the, like almost any time the characters are talking, it is very important, so you don't realize that you're not seeing anybody else Mm -hmm. because the writing was so good, although a little bit hammy sometimes, a little bit too much, but... It, it still pulled itself off, and I was I was just again blown away by that. Yeah, and this is the kind of film where their humor shouldn't really work, mm-hmm. but it does several times, and it's very strange when it comes up to go. <laughs> oh wait, why am I laughing at this horrendous situation? Well, actually, 
having been in the service and having known people who've been through combat, that gallows humor, that the the jokes in the face of death, and the worse it gets, the worse the fucking jokes get. Mm-hmm. It, and so, it, to me, it was very, very, very spot the fuck on on that one. All right. So before we start diving into this, should we do a brief synopsis? Since this is brand new, if people want like an overview. Oh yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, a lot of times, I will listen to a podcast about a movie if I'm going to decide whether I'm going to watch it or not. You know what I mean? And I'll do that. This, I would say, don't do that. If you have not watched this movie, go go ahead and watch it and then come listen to it. I mean, do what you want, but I would suggest yep. watching the movie first and then listening. So uh, a very brief overview is a group of childhood friends uh, congregate at the brownstone home of uh one of the members of the group mm-hmm. they it is december of 1945 they are all but one ex-military who have just come back uh one of them is on trial for war crimes mm-hmm. and then ghosts and a woman tied up in a closet yeah <laughs> and then ghosts mm-hmm. and then and then we'll get to it the mm-hmm. brief overview wow and it, it it's Beautifully staged because uh, what it really made me think of too, not only just a stage play because of the monologue parts and mm-hmm. what have you, but it's almost set up like a whodunit. Yeah, like a, a chamber mystery, like you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's f- fucking gorgeous. So again, hijinks ensue, tons of shit just layered and layered and layered on top of each other. Well, when I was in high school, a buddy of mine, I don't know, for some reason his father had like gotten hold of like a lot of the old like your show of shows and Colgate Hour and so they would present these one hour one hour they're, they're you know television plays teleplays they would call them and this struck me as like that at the beginning because of the way they were talking because of you know the exposition exposition that you have to do when you're in a one room play exactly but by god they made it fucking work uh huh and this just goes to show you, too, that you don't need $100 million to make a compelling film because mm. you can just do very easy stuff for your ghost stuff. Mm. Oh. And it, it works just fine, if not more so. Well, let us say they used practical effects absolutely fucking perfectly. Because mm-hmm. if they'd have CGI'd it, it would have been like, meh. Yeah. I mean, the one CGI effect that they had... It, it was fine. It was all right, but that fucking practical effect. And when it happened, I, was, I jumped. I jumped. I was out in my patio because I, I, I didn't know what this was going to be. And the kids were still around. And I'm on the patio. I fucking jumped <laughs> when the first practical effect went up. I was like, God, God damn. So uh, I, I think we can get into what we really like to uh, dig into, which yeah. is, man, this thing is... Theme heavy. Mm. So, uh, where would you like to start in, in all of themes? those games? Yes. Uh, I mean, well, my... we can we can even go through if you would like to start with the characters because I find them all just individually fascinating. Yes, but I would like to start with an overarching theme that they really start. you know, they really hammer in through the whole thing. Traditionally, when we think of World War II vets, we think of these heroic, you know, honorable. Uh, upright, moral, clean-cut citizens. Mm-hmm. We were in a fucking war. And I don't care what war it was. 
from the dawn of man till the end of time, as long as there's war, there are horror, horrific things done by people in the name of war. Um, and we tend not to think about what we've done. Yes, we were fighting Nazis, and fucking we should have. Don't get me, don't get twisted. I, was, yep. I enlisted. I, I'm a veteran. But in, in no way, shape, or form were they pure as the driven snow and these wonderful... I No, we were fucking just as capable of horrific shit as anybody the fuck else. And I like the fact that they put that in your face. Yes. Very, very in your face. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and just the uh, overarching theme, of, and it could be applied, and it's sad that it could be applied to literally any time, just overall racism. Oh, yeah. Just white men being the most horrible people alive. And I, I'm not saying that to be, you know, like a lib snowflake or whatever, but, I mean, persecuting this German woman because she was German. Mm -hmm. it It's been happening since well i mean we we can't even overlook the fact that we we took part of our own citizens we we had intern we had our own internment camps in california and up through oregon mm -hmm. where we took united states citizens and put them in concentration camps sure did so there you fucking go exactly and it's it's never stopped and it's it's so fucking sad that it's still relevant to mm -hmm. this day and, I mean, it might not be wartime, but uh, the rise in uh, violence against, like, the Asian community in, mm -hmm. in and around 2020, or 2000, yeah. Well, let's take a look at something really quickly, because I love the way they did this. In order to have an enemy, and in order to be able to more easily kill your enemy, you have to first dehumanize them. At no time were they ever called Germans. Nope. They were always routes and anybody I, I you know i try to tell a friend of mine listening or you know and or a friend of mine so like listen buddy some of the shit that you're talking about some of the words that you use some of the things that you say are to dehumanize a group of people because he's uh really this guy this guy i know him and uh uh, he's really, really, really against this stuff. You know, I had to cut him off my feed because of the, some of the shit that he was posting. And he, him as a person, not a bad person, but he started, I had to tell him, I was like, dude, you know, because I'd known him forever. And I was like, dude, remember when we used to talk about how the first step and whatever it is to dehumanizing, you're using that same language. You're using the exact same language that every nation uses to dehumanize groups to make them targets. And it's like, you can say that you're not targeting a group or that you don't hate, but that language tells me that you do and you might want to look at it. Because that, that fucking hit me hard, too. I was like, all the, thing, all the little things they did. And you notice how they attributed everything that was not good to the Germans. I'm not defending Nazis. Don't get me no, wrong. No, 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 no. But in this instance, we don't know. And at the end of the movie, it's still left up in the air whether Hildy was innocent or guilty because if it was... If it was divine retribution from hell or whatever that you needed to kill that Nazi and everybody needed to pay for whatever it is that they did, it, it, then she was a Nazi. So, you, you know, it, they, they kind it's of fucked your head around. a real Schrodinger's Nazi situation. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, I mean, even... It, these are good, good friends. 
even Paul being as comfortable as he was calling Archie uh, yeah. homophobic slurs just freely mm-hmm. and using it as a dig. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oh, at the beginning, oh, it was just a big joke and whatever. Right. But It was a big joke until it wasn't. Yeah, until it wasn't. But again, just the comfortability, the American mindset of being so comfortable and that's the enemy and that's all there is to it. And you can say that you're, oh, well, we're not racist. We, we just hate the terrorists or we just hate the Nazis or mm-hmm. we just hate the people spreading a plague or whatever the fuck. It's still that comfortability mm-hmm. that is so fucking unnerving and it's constant throughout this and film. Who's the guy? What was the... The guy in the uh, the actual uniform, what was he? What, who was he? I forgot his name and both the actor's name and his character's name. Oh, uh, Operation Dumbo Drop? Yeah, that guy. Oh, Ears? Yeah. Paul. That fucking guy is amazing. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I forgot what, I, when we watched, um, God damn it, Catch-22? Did we watch Catch-22? No, we watched a movie like Catch-22. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah, there was another character like that that just struck me as every military motherfucker I ever knew, every lifer I ever knew. You know, and he was more of a sergeant than he was an officer. So, the, but the way he was then, he was absolutely dead solid, motherfucking perfect, because I am an American and that's what we do and I'm protecting my friends and my country and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I know you. You you don't get to talk about my country and neither did he after he talks about brutally murder, murdering like a teenager. Oh, yeah. And, the, and again, the crimes of war and you, uh, they kept bringing back, you know, and, and I love how they did this. He, his defense was that he was following... Huck's orders. Okay, so <laughs> I, I got a little bit, it, it might be a reach, but I was thinking about this a lot, that you can draw kind of a comparison between the character of Huck and Adolf Hitler. He's a man who is fine with killing, fine with doing whatever, couldn't do it himself. Mm-hmm. And now that he is dead, there are men following his ideals and... I mean, that's not even a stretch, dude. I, that's kind of what I was thinking is that Paul is so devoted to him that mm-hmm. he decides that, oh, that's what he wanted was for me to kill this woman. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the zombie comes back. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which we'll get into. Oh, Jesus. And again, I, I alluded to it before, but I'm watching this movie and I'm like, ah, it's a tell. But how come they're all 700 million years old? They just got out. If they went through OC, I, my fucking brain. Because I, I do find reasons to like it, but sometimes if it's not grabbing me, I find reasons to not like it. Mm-hmm. And then Huck just sits there. Well, <laughs> if she's there, then the afterlife is real. And, every, and he reaches under there and the holstered gun underneath the poker table, which is not out of the question, especially back nope. then with military guys. Yeah, that dude, I'm surprised that's all he had, <laughs> one. <laughs> and he just puts, opens his mouth, back. Off with the dome, dude, just the back of the head, just against the wall. So, okay, since we talked about this a little bit, I do want to start getting into, like, the characters because I find them all fucking absolutely fascinating. I do, but I just wanted to notice it and see if you noticed. Did you notice the difference in the aspect ratio? I don't know what it's called, but, like, at the beginning when it was kind of almost black and white when they're getting out of the car, it was short and boxy. And then it went to long screen and then went back to short and boxy. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I I just want to make sure that wasn't just me imagining shit. No, because the it goes from your standard. I forget what exactly the widescreen is, mm-hmm. but I think it's four three is your old letterbox television. Yeah, that would have been age appropriate, I suppose. Oh, wait, were televisions around in the forties? Probably not in like every home. No, but you uh, you could get one. Right, they existed. All right, so uh, since we were already talking about Hawk. Let's talk about Hawk. Oh, let's talk about Hawk. This fucking guy. Larry Fessenden. Mm-hmm. Fucking excellent, excellent portrayal. God damn it, Larry's great. And he's got that face, but he looks so different in every movie that I, it took me a minute to figure out that that was Larry Fessenden. I was like, okay, there's only five people. Oh, fuck, it's him. Because he, he inhabits whatever he's doing. He's so into whatever he's doing that you're into it, too. You are down for the count because he did it. Mm-hmm. So, Hawk was a captain. He, he was the highest ranking of the group. I want to say he was a major. I don't know why. I think the other two were majors. Whatever is above major. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, know, know I don't know that military. army bullshit. Yeah, I don't know military rankings. But he... Uh, Probably a, a C. It doesn't matter, James. Huh. He, so, he has just come back from World War II being a frontline... Uh, or at least high-ranking officer who has seen a lot of uh, horrendous shit. His uh, mentally unwell wife killed herself on Thanksgiving morning. Mm-hmm. And this is, I believe it's December 27th. <coughs> so right after Christmas. <coughs> so he's just gone through the holidays without his wife. Now, he, uh, he wants to uh, contact his dead wife. In the mm-hmm. seance. Always a great idea. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> as you alluded to, he realizes that uh, she's moved on and that you do move on and blows his fucking brains out at the table. I know. You know what? Think about it, too. If, let's say, and most of, I, I'm guessing most Christian things consider uh, suicide a sin, right? I was just going to get into that, that. I think he may have one of the better, like, monologues in the film. Oh, God, yeah. Because it's one of those things that, at getting older, I can absolutely see this just crushing a person. Oh, my God. Because after his wife's suicide, he became very religious. Mm Mm-hmm. And when talking to the pastor, priest, whoever, uh, they tell him that his wife is going to hell. Because mm-hmm. she has committed a mortal sin. Yep. So, this man who is already completely broken from war and his wife's suicide... Can't return to religion because religion turned his back on him. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, even just getting older, I get it. And that's what makes that turn, too, when, when he finally says, Look, there is an afterlife. It is real. She is waiting for me. And, and I love how... Um, what's her butt... It's like, yeah, figuring it's going to be like mm-hmm. when you pass of natural. No. <laughs> no, he means right fucking now. Hey, guys, uh, nice seeing you. Hey, ha- enjoyed the whiskey, but uh, I got to go. Pat, just, again, just blew the top of his fucking head off. Oh, that was, I was trying really hard. Did you know I was trying real hard not to drop F-bombs this week? I just dropped one. Uh, keep it to a minimum. Mm-mm. You've disappointed us all. Yet again, James. Fucking always letting people... Be- I did That's it again. Two. Uh, you're on a roll, buddy. Ah, shit, I said fuck. Ah, oh, fuck, I said shit. I didn't want it So, anyway. uh, 
Hawk has left the entire rest of the group a little present in the form of Hildy, Mm -hmm. who is tied up in his closet because his wife, who killed herself, believed that she was a Nazi spy. Mm -hmm. Hawk didn't believe her, which led to her suicide, so he got drunk and drugged her and hid her in his closet. Now, this is interesting, too, because the way they set it up, the first thumps are like, fuck. And then the radio kicks on, and then, you know, weirdness ensues. I don't don't know if it was before or after that. I think after the hand came out, didn't it? That was later in the movie? That was, like, during the seance. During the seance, So she had not come out of the closet yet. Right, but then then they're saying, then they're showing spookies, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But then, after what's-his-butt clips his head off, she comes out of the closet. I'm like, oh, was it spooky or not? I know I saw the hand, but that could have been imagining. And then my brain's going. And that's when I was really activated in this movie. I'm like, wait, what's happening? And that is where, again, we talk about those tone shifts that, if done just even kind of well, don't work for me. Mm Mm-hmm. This is done so fucking flawlessly that I, I honestly, I had to go back after she comes out of the closet and all of that starts transpiring. I had to kind of shake my head off after like five, six minutes of her on screen and go, oh yeah, we just saw literal ghosts too. That's right. Right. (laughs) Because again, and you'd mentioned it earlier, we'll we'll, we'll relook at it again. It is so well written and so well acted that you don't notice when they're forcing you to look at something. Mm-hmm. It's like a good magic trick. You know, it's perfect misdirection. You're not looking at those people because they don't matter. Because we've watched this film so far that we're invested in everything they're saying. And it's more important than the last thing. We, we thought whatever we heard last time couldn't be topped. But fucking, excuse me, watch this. Mm-hmm. Boom, top that. And then they're topping and then they're adding depth to it the next time. So you stop caring about anything that's happening but that. And it's beautiful how they do that. So Hildy is a uh, natural-born German. Uh, moved. I, I was going to say claimed to have moved to New York in 1931. Has a husband, two kids, yada, 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 yada. Mm. And she's kind of the voice of reason. Throughout this entire thing. And it's never clear on whether, because a lot of the things that she says are Mm de-escalating. Somebody who had some sort of training Training. would know how to do all of these things. But also, so would just a scared woman who's trying to get out of this fucked up situation. And that's why I think the writing of Hildy's character is almost perfect. And and if you think about it too, she's never super, super scared. But... And her reactions are are strong, but never as strong as you'd think a a regular civilian would have been. However, I was thinking about that. You have to remember, she is a poor immigrant in New York in the late 30s. With these psycho fucking Americans sticking pins in her finger. Right, but I'm saying she's seen some shit. There's not a lot that's shaking an immigrant. Oh, yeah, especially considered what they went through before they got here. Uh Uh-huh. That fi- oh, God, yeah. The whole reason Germany went to war in the first place. Exactly. Starving and so, inflation, yeah. Once again, that's... I I don't... I have no opinion on whether I think she actually was or was not a spy. Well, again, with the conceit of the movie, if whatever supernatural force will not let them out of the room, 
and it constantly said, kill the Nazi, kill the Nazi, kill the Nazi. We don't know if that force is benevolent or malevolent. Right. So it's either, yes, they were a Nazi, and you kill them and still pay for your crimes, or that was the afterworld's way of getting equality from the war crimes? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. But that's why I think, again, the writing of her is so fucking flawless because, again, I I don't sway one way or another because, like you said, a lot of her responses are very cool, calm, and collected mm-hmm. in a situation where they shouldn't be. But also, uh, again, an immigrant living in New York in some of the worst conditions in the late 1930s, right. like... Man, it's really, 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 really good. Because I like how they set up that little bit of doubt, too, because that, um, when, I forgot what exactly words you used, your commander or your superior. Yes. That could be a slip. Anybody could. I'm standing among military people and not even been in the military. I know what a commander is. I'm, that might be something I say because I'm trying to let you understand what we're all doing, and I'm trying to put it in words you understand. So that put that bit of doubt, but the way she, some of the things she said and the way she said them afterwards, you're like, huh? Exactly. God damn, this movie's good. So, uh, moving on, we'll we can kind of do Marla and Bob almost together. Oh yeah. So Marla is uh, the played by the daughter from Taking of Deborah Logan. Mm-hmm. She might be the best performance I think in this. Mm-hmm. Mm, maybe not, because we'll get to Archie. But uh, so she was an interrogator. During the war, like the finest interrogator, which, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, torturer. Yeah, but here, here's, here's one of my issues with the movie. Okay, in World War II, were there women spies? Yes. Traditionally, American women spies were used as honeypots, which is, hey, we're going to cha- trade sex for, you know, what, mm-hmm. for information. Um, where you get the ones who are female interrogators, female snipers, female combatants, etc., etc., etc. That's all French, Italian. It's all throughout there. Did they exist? Maybe. Um, the fact that they had to include a female interrogator and a gay person, and you, you know what I'm saying? It's like that. That's when I was saying. That's when I was hat on a hat on a hat earlier. But I love the fact that they had her do that because. It 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 kind of showed, and I've got a theory about Bob in a second too, but it showed the dynamic of that relationship, and and it was consistently hit home with the way that they were stepping on his dick, mm-hmm. and what I liked about the way that was written is, that's military guys for you. You weren't the service guys, so we're gonna continually make fun of you. Why? Well, you're you're one of our group, and that's how we do things. And if you don't get it, fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't, if we didn't make fun of you, that means we don't like you or you're not part of this group. We've accepted you. You're going to have to deal with us stepping on your dick on the rag. That's just how that game is played. Right. And again, I just, I love that Marla is the constant voice that is just saying like, guys, mm-hmm. we need to stop this immediately. Mm-hmm. And they try and uh, get nasty with her. And she is not having it, even it. a little bit. <laughs> and just the strength of her, of her acting, just the, the the resolve she showed just through body language. How the fuck do you learn that? I don't know. Because the way she was standing, even without a look, even without seeing the face, just just the way she was standing alone, you could tell she was not to be fucked with. 
at all. No. And that's what, at the beginning, uh, Larry Fessenden's talking to Bob. It's like, ah, finest torture or whatever. Interrogation isn't torture. Well, there was one time I watched her bend this Kraut's finger back so far that the nail dug into the back of his hand. (laughs) That boy wouldn't stop puking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So here's a person who, again, much like almost everyone here, has seen and done horrendous shit. Mm -hmm. However, hers is more personal. Mm -hmm. It's more one-on-one violence, which means that she has probably seen and done some of the more reprehensible things. Oh, absolutely. And and again, to put that weight on that on her shoulders, it 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 shows uh, it shows what could have been. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> what what could have been if we'd have just let more people do more stuff. God damn it! And, mm. and Bob, oh Bob, man, I love Bob. Now, what I liked about the idea character of Bob, if we take a look at the like the military industrial complex take a look at the whole thing bob represents the the pre-cia before they didn't they were just gathering information the oss yeah they were just getting stuff they weren't even like oss they were just a bunch of you know clerks pushing pencils doing stuff sending people out that weren't their group to do shit but when they became the cia that's when they started getting blood on their hands and and i saw that that bob bob was the cia okay I got all this shit. I've got all this information. We're going to depend on, oh, now it's time for me to get blood on my hands. And then, pat, pat. And he just, he, he didn't like it. The first one he said, the second one, he just walked up, clipped her. Doom. Had the gun sideways, too, gangsta style. Hell yeah, dude. I was like, all right. <laughs> Sorry, King of New York style. Pat. So I, I'm, I'm going to save my favorite character for last. Mm-hmm. But let, let's talk about Paul. Mm-hmm. Ears. Oh, God. This dude can fucking act, man. I I could swear he'd been in the military or raised by somebody who was in the military. Because you can study that, but if you haven't been in or haven't been raised or around people with that type of bearing and that type of attitude, it is very hard to peg accurately. And he is your, basically your stereotype for 1945, just racist white shitheads please note that it almost down to the pins the exact same uniform as eisenhower oh no shit mm-hmm he's even wearing an ike jacket oh he sure is mm-hmm so you know as representing he he is absolutely representing the wartime man or the wartime white man yeah, and he is absolutely representing the guy who can't let it go. The the war never ended for him type of person. Oh, there's so many. It's yep. so scary. I'm sorry. I got a little bit of maudlin there. Yeah, well, and I mean, we hear a lot of stories about that from Vietnam, a lot of the guys that couldn't let it go. Mm-hmm. World War II vets, we don't hear that much. Like you said, they are usually propped up as this shining example of patriotism and, you know, a good, honest man and yada, yada, yada. A lot of those dudes came back fucked up mm -hmm. and we don't talk about it. Well, we take also have to take a look at it, too, is the um, the advent of psychiatric help. Okay, in the 40s and I'll even go to the 70s. Okay, when I was coming up in the 70s, there's no ADHD. There was no autism. There was no this. There was no that. Got your ass whooped till you figured it out. So that was in the 70s. Picture what it was like in 1945. 
You, you know what I mean? It absolutely 100% regularity at all times has to be exactly this way. Oh, God, I couldn't even fucking imagine. Yeah, and, I lost my point, too. I hate that. Well, and he's one of those guys that, again, you think of that type of person, yeah. that white patriot American. You don't even get to say America. Mm-hmm. And there's so many times where he basically Hildy just pushes his dick in the dirt with reasonable points and he doesn't give a fuck because once again, devoted to Hawk, this, his commander and I was following orders Mm -hmm. and this is what he wanted me to do. And by God, for the good of the country, America, the country. I get the point I was making actually is that because there was no psychiatric help like there is now. And it's not great, but it's better. And it's at least acknowledged and looked at. Is that you, the families would lock their, you know, family members in the house so they didn't hurt the neighbors. Um, A lot of these guys turned, why do you think the mafia and shit got so big in the 50s? All these motherfuckers got trained with guns and tactics. Mm -hmm. And they'd already killed, so gang, you know, all gangs, and it's not just the mafia, all gangs got filled up with these guys who couldn't fit anyplace else, or they became policemen. And you saw that worked out. Yeah. Who boy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's different now. There, there are programs for when you get out to, you know, uh, you know, assimilate back into civilian life. You can check into the VA. Again, the, the, the care is not great, but it's exists and people know what you have instead of wondering why the fuck you jump and why you can't, you know, you can't sleep normally and, you know, why and, sirens freak you out. And, and why you need to drink two bottles of whiskey mm-hmm. a day. Absolutely. Like, what you, you're trying to kill you, all the veins in your arm at once? Yes, yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry. This, again, anytime, we haven't done a lot of military-themed military movies. And I don't, I mean, it'll come up in conversation occasionally, but it, when, it, when it hits that big, I'm like, ooh, because I've had family members affected by all of these. So I'm like, oh. And then uh, we get to my favorite character of all of them, Archie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Archibald Stanton. Like War a, criminal. Like a poor man, Stacy Keach. <laughs> sure. Same I, mustache. I love this fucking oh, no. dude. What I love, too, is that they very easily could have stereotyped the fuck out of this character. They didn't. He just happened to be gay. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. And it's not filmed like that often. You know, it's like every once in a while. And, and what a, an interesting choice, too, is traditionally when you see um, homosexuals depicted in, in modern movies, it's in a positive light or at least not a negative light. But depicting them as a war criminal. You know, and, and I thought those were, again, brave choices because, okay, if you take a look at let's say any any group let's say i'll I'm mexican i'll pick mexicans okay um if for all mexicans are portrayed as 100 percent good then you're not showing all sides of yeah the culture. you're not showing the humanity that these are people people yes and and i thought it was a great choice to do that they didn't and i think it was good that they never depicted except for showing the after effects in the hell sequence they didn't depict this violence it was something that was told to us it was something that was talked about from before. Mm-hmm. So that makes it not okay, but, you know, as we've talked about before, able to watch the movie and be, you know, okay to get through it. But because it wasn't depicted, we got to see the human side of why and where and how and 
all the different, like almost like Rashomon, where you had the different stories from the different people. Is that Rashomon? I don't know. There was a Kurosawa movie where you hear the story from all different points of view. But anyway, yeah, it was like, did he or didn't? We still don't know what, whether it was on him or not. Did he know or didn't he know whether those kids were in there? Right, because uh, he is accused of killing, was it 50, killing 56? 50 56. Children. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a sniper on rooftops uh, shooting at his uh, platoon, brigade, whatever. Right. So Hawk told him to get to this building and do what you need to do mm. to infiltrate this building. He ran up, broke the first window he found, uh, and threw a, a, a belt of pineapple grenades. And this was after uh, half of his squad was killed. Yes. And he panicked under fire, but he was, he was technically following orders. Right. And that's kind of what I wanted to get to is, is, is he then almost any better than the Nazis that they uh, are persecuting as this great evil? And I mean, obviously Nazis, fuck them. I'm not standing up for Nazis, but what I'm saying is that not often is there a time when we look at American war crimes, mm-hmm. just in general. No, because, well, fuck America. Uh-huh. And it was just very, very interesting to see uh, even Marla being like, I, I, you said that you didn't do that. Like, they made up a cover story that it was a trigger-happy private. And, and again. was killed in the blast. Again, when we can, when we're trying, like in my head, because I want to like this character, I'm making excuses for him, right? Well, you know, this or that. But when she says, it was fucking listed in the documents, it was listed as a thing, this zone, it, you could not know. Yeah, it. It's yeah, part of your standing fucking orders. Yeah, it was very clearly marked on any map of the town as being a place that you do not touch. It was a kindergarten center. Mm-hmm. So... Again, that's where I want to get into the again everything just just following gray. orders because on one hand, sure, just following orders because you were watching everyone around you die. Well, did you see them? Did you have to watch? I know when I was in high school, we were required to watch the Man in the Glass Booth. But um, I think the Hess, uh, they were um, being committed. Or, you know, he was being tried for war crimes. But because he was a, a high-ranking Nazi official, they had to put a big blast, glass booth around him, bulletproof grass, so that he wasn't killed while right, yeah. doing. But that big thing, I was just following orders. I was just following orders. Uh-huh. And to have it said from the mouths of Americans who have, again, we don't know who committed what atrocities. We don't even know if that person's a Nazi. We don't know anything. And we are left with, again, that question. Well, you know, the other thing, too, however, is uh, it's different during wartime, obviously, because you can get shot for not following order in a wartime. They fucking cap you. Mm-hmm. But you can, you can refuse an unlawful order. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, hey, you send me to Hague or do what you got to do. I'm not doing that. And people have made that choice, too. What choice would I make in that situation? No fucking idea. No. I would like to think that altruistically it's- I would... Uh, not do that, but I also know that I am a fucking idiot, and I probably wouldn't have read the orders any, or wouldn't have read the general anyway. And and I also haven't seen like six or eight people shot dead in front of me. Absolutely. So you know, in that moment of panic, in that moment of, you know, I, I mm, 
Yeah, and I thought it was a, you had said it before, but a brave choice to then have the German woman say, I don't think that you're a bad man. Mm -hmm. I think that you were scared and that this thing happened. And it turns out like he is deeply resentful of Hawk for making him do this. Mm -hmm. However, he's still willing to try and do everything to cover it up to not have to pay for the repercussions of his actions mm-hmm. because he knows it was wrong. Again, I just find this such an interesting character. And and another thing too, is that the camaraderie that they have from having been in these situations, I was not in a whole lot of crap while I was in the service. However, just about anybody on my ship, whether I knew them or didn't know them well, if we were to call me today, say, I've got an emergency, I'd try to figure out a way to fix it. And it is absolutely no way for me to explain why. Except that, you know, we were all on the ship together and anything could happen at any time. And we had to rely on each other at all times. And then multiply that by having been officers in wartime in the shit. That, and that bond was showed beautifully because they hate each other, but they'll never separate. No. They'll never not be part of each other's lives. They'll never not. And they, they could motherfucker each other every day for the rest of their lives, but they would live next door to each other. You know, and, and that's just the truth about that. And I thought that was depicted beautifully. Yeah, and I I really love the uh, the way that it, uh, Archie ends up shifting because it, uh, when it comes down to like trying to interrogate Hildy, you know, it comes up that Marla says like, yeah, uh, Susie, uh, Hawk's dead wife, she called me months ago about this woman. Mm. It wanted me to come down and interrogate her, and I I didn't. Right. It, well, why didn't you? She's like, because I'm not in the business of interrogating civilians mm-hmm. at all. And to watch Paul just be unwavering, like, no, I'm going to kill this woman. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, it seems like just a matter of time the entire time. And Archie initially being, you know, on his side, and are you a Nazi? Mm-hmm. And after the whole thing comes out about his war crimes, he kind of shifts perspective when she shows some humanity toward him. And and, and I, I love Paul's reaction to anytime any he 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 carried played the character beautifully as a person who's not used to hearing anybody say anything against what he says once he's put his mind to it. Mm-hmm. Like and it wasn't even he still had that angry look on his face, but just this like slight instance of what the fuck did you just say mm-hmm. to me? You're going to what? And then you could almost see him like, oh, shit, it's you. I've seen what you can do to the crowds, you know? Fuck. You know, you could see him wrestling with it, but still maintain that anger and still maintain that, yeah, the, that pace. That righteous indignation, mm-hmm. the I'm right no matter what, because it's the American way, because she's German. Yeah. God and country, motherfucker. And it, like I said, man, the way all of these events layer on top of each other and unfold, it's such a fucking, just almost masterclass on how to make a simple film that you don't need, again, $100 million to make something that is very affecting. Well, this does one of the things that I, my, I, it's grown to become my favorite. I probably have seen movies like this before and like, why the fuck did I just watch it? But the ones that seem simple, but the more you pull it apart, the more there is for you to think about. Mm-hmm. And then you think about that aspect and then this aspect and then aspect. And then you think, well, there's no way it can match up with, yes, it does. It just somehow manages to do the thing I love, which is 
if they mention it, they'll touch on it again. And it will become a theme. They did a lot of threes in this movie. They did a lot of, you know, hit, you know, wait, hit, wait, hit, wait, hit, wait. But because there were so many other layers on top of that, you didn't notice that it was a pattern. It was, it's, it was absolutely beautifully done. Because I was so fucking lost in the uh, interpersonal stories going on in that room that as soon as Hawk's dead body started talking, I went, oh, f- again, oh, fuck, that's right. There's spookies going on, too. Mm-hmm. And the horror of otherworldly beings being recognized and confirmed mm-hmm. is secondary to the horrors of what humans can do to each other taking place in this room. Mm-hmm. God damn. It's gorgeous. James and gorgeous. We absolutely positively have to talk about when Hawk starts whapping his face on the fucking table, dude. It's intense. And the first time I was startled. The second time I was uneasy. The third time, I was horrified. The fourth time, I was freaking the fuck out. The fifth time, I wanted to die. <laughs> I, it's one of those, you know how like you can tell a joke, and then it's funny, and then you keep telling it it's not funny, and then all of a sudden, it's hilarious? Well, change funny to fucking horrifying, and that's exact, that scene went on way farther than it should have, but then it made sense again. Uh-huh. And then when his face pulled up and it was flat and his chin was pressed flat to his chest and you could see his tongue and lip and the teeth were smashed up again, I was like, God oh, damn it. <laughs> my goodness. That's an image going to stick with me for a couple minutes. Uh, and, and again, we talk about the importance of practical effects. And I don't, you know, there will become a time where CGI will become, you know, a lot of times less expensive than practical. But until it's perfect, there's nothing that's going to touch. I know practical effects are cheap, and I can tell you what they probably make half the effects out of. But goddammit, it looks more real to me than anything else. Mm -hmm. And you know what it does, James? Hmm. For me, it says that you tried. It says that you cared enough to not go, eh, we can just do it in post. Mm Mm-hmm that you took the time to make something for your film. And mm-hmm. again, these low-budget films that we watch constantly, I I absolutely love them for that reason, because good or bad, a lot of times you can tell it's somebody who cared about their project mm-hmm. and actually gave a shit enough to go, you know, you know what, let's figure out a way to have this necklace just stand on end. Oh, God, that was great. You know, when we talked, uh, we were talking about it with uh, one of the movies we were talking about where, you know, sometimes the ghost finding equipment is kind of real, like, intricate and, you know, it's got windmills and shit on it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's two pieces of salt and a, and a string. This one was so effective. It was a nail and a necklace. And obviously somebody probably just had a string and was walking around the fucking room. Didn't matter. No. It was visually stunning. Mm-hmm. And all they did, again, just pulled it tight and walked it around. And and it just messed me up. Man, Larry Fessenden blowing his fucking brains out. Mm-hmm. I, did, I mean, I was wondering what was... I thought he was going to shoot Hildy. I thought he was going to wave it and they were going to have a tussle. You know? No. He capped himself. He unalived himself right there and then. Uh-huh. In front of God and country. I was just like, whoa. Right in the dome. And, and that movie had me, and I, 
I was even thinking that this movie is so good that with some tweaking, you could make this without the spookies. And it would still be not as good, I think, because I think as a horror film, it's perfect. Yeah. But even without it, would I would have enjoyed this film even without the horror, just because of the weight of the acting and the writing. So, you know, another thing that I was thinking about while watching this mm. that really makes me love it, mm. because we watch some movies that are kind of drab. Yeah. This is very colorful. It is. And it's very vibrant, and it adds uh, a real sense of character because the room in and of itself becomes a character in this film. And if we take a look objectively if we at how films are made, if you want, everything in that room was authentic as fuck. Because my mom is an, you know, you dragged me to go to antique shows my whole life. In fact, right now, if I say, hey, mom, I want to go antiquing, she would drive from Chicago to come here and take me to an antique store. So I grew up, I, I can tell 40s from 30s, from 50s to, you know, and they really went, I, they must have called every prop house in New York and said, okay, we got to get one full room. Everybody, I, you all owe me favors. I'm Larry fucking Fessenden. <laughs> You make this room look right. We need this many outfits and we need it for 12 days. And it was that good. So it became its own character. I didn't care that we were in one room because the more you looked at that room and the more you were drawn into that room, the more you were pulled into the period authentic pieces. And then I noticed the dressing and I noticed the tailoring. The tailoring was spot on because what a cut that looks funny to us now was stylish at one time. And I'm like, that's a weird, oh, that is the traditional cut. Fuck, that's the real thing. And, and a lot because of other... Archie looks great. <laughs> oh, my God, he does. And But you remember the movie you were saying, it looked like a bunch of Renfair people were coming out and then they filmed the movie? Oh, uh, Field in England? Yeah, but it was like a rockabilly club decided, well, we're going to go 40s. You know? that it, it started out with that feel, but the longer I was inhabiting that room while the film was playing the less i noticed it the more i noticed it it was it was an odd dichotomy because the more i noticed it the more comfortable i was and the more i was able to buy into the scene so it really really worked well and it, it, it i think at that point though at that point any any anything that was out of time would have really fucked with me because it was at that point i was just before he biffed his head off then I, then I was finally gave up on going, oh, this is authentic. Okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I hate that about my brain. <laughs> that you focused on every single knickknack in that entire house. Well, I can't not. I notice everything all the time. And it's, it's, a, it's a bear to focus in on just whatever it is we're doing. Luckily, I have a theme. We're talking about this movie. So for that hour and a half, I'll focus on the movie. But then I can't not focus on everything that's happening down to accents, how they're walking. What kind of tailoring there is? Why is that in the background? How many times did he say that word? How many did this go click again? You know how you notice like scene cuts? Or mm-hmm. how many times it cut scenes? I notice all this little shit and I can't not. <clears throat> Man, it sounds terrible. It fucking sucks, buddy. Man, being you must suck. It does. It, it has a perk occasionally, but very rarely. <laughs> you are a handsome man. I will give you that. Tee-hee. So. Well, I got I, that going for another couple of years, you know. So, uh, James. fall off that motherfucker. Uh, any final thoughts and or would you recommend Brooklyn 45? I would absolutely re- recommend the hell out of this movie. It is fantastic. It is. It's good no matter how you slice it. And again, said it before, I'll say it again. I don't care if you're a horror fan or not. This is just a good movie. 
period. Yeah, flat out. And, you know, we again, the horror scenes are horrific. So if you haven't seen it, um, <laughs> you're going to... You're going to be startled. It, it'll, it really will catch you off guard because, again, I kept forgetting about, like, the afterlife and the ghouls and zombies and whatever. And that made it more effective when it hit because we forgot. It, it was told to you. You can't say you didn't know. Yep. But then, boom. Oh, yeah, that's spooky. Fuck. And, and that can often, very often, in fact, be a bad thing that, like, Man, I forgot what was happening in this other side plot, and I kind of don't care anymore. Can we just go back to the thing that we were watching for the last 10, 15 minutes? But when they pick up on it again, they re-interest you in it. But and then yeah, you're pulling man, does other it shit. come in with a fucking thunder? Mm-hmm. Man, this movie's great. I really, I would tell everyone, go watch Brooklyn 45. Fuck yeah. It's fucking fantastic. Hell yeah. Number one with a bullet. So 45, see what I did there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't stop the show. Hey, start, hey, I, hey, uh, hey, James. Yeah. Hey, where can people find us? <laughs> you had to ask me, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I've gr- grown tired of your shit, and let's bring this in for a landing. Okay, that's better. Uh, Horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on the Instagram. They can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Absolutely love to have people write on it. Um, we also have... The podcast, which is on all the podcasters, we got the Apple, we got the Spotify. Give us stars. Five would be nice, and five words, those are the magic numbers. And uh, anything on Spotify is nice. Man, you're you're really getting it. It's only taken me 150 however many fucking times to finally get it once, right really, once every third time. Really reeling that Marlin in. Mm-hmm. Give me uh, another couple of years, and I'll say it without stuttering at fucking all. And uh, I, I still need to come up with a schedule, but I, I've been sporadically streaming Diablo 4. You can find me on Twitch at horror underscore vomit underscore Chris. Yes. And, and uh, uh, my, my entry into the Diablo game is going to be a little, little pushback due to the nature of a new cat and about the $900 it costs to get a whole new cat all fixed up and ready to go. Man, one of these days we're just going to have to do an entire show about the cat wars transpiring in your home. Pork chops and applesauce. <laughs> yep. Man, pork chop might be my, one of my favorite just things I, that I exist. Lo- I love that fucking cat. You have no idea. And he it's, does, like a, it's like a hairy bowling ball. And he does nothing but just quietly disapproves of just about every goddamn thing until you pet it. And then you're all right. You, 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 you're okay. Hey, he's just Fat Tony from The Simpsons. He fucking is. You fucking, oh, God. Yep. <laughs> yep, and I think that's where we can call it. Yeah, why don't you push the button? Do All the right. Thing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. See, we did it like professionals. Mm-hmm. Now, now push I should the push the button. button. Yeah. Do you want me to push the button? Yeah, push that goddamn button. Push it. Push it. You can see it. You're terrified.